to the Niners Nation podcast, and we're still here. It's still the offseason, and we're one step closer to watching the Super Bowl. Niner Nate here with you this week, and with me as always is Leo Luna of 49GM. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. A little better than Drew Brees, I guess. Uh, great career. Just a tough way to go out as, as your last NFL game. Well, the noodle alarm finally came out like we knew it would, and... Uh, Man, it was cool to see Tom Brady win, though. Like, I can't help it. Like, as a football fan, it's cool to see, like, you know, like, everyone talks about how great Joe Montana is. And he is great. Don't get me wrong. But what Tom Brady has done with his football career is nothing short of amazing. But we could talk about Tom Brady all day, but this is not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers podcast. We have a special guest this week. It is John Chapman of the 49ers Goat Rush podcast. How are you doing, man? Man, I, I'm exceptional, and you know we're talking about that game we just watched between Tom Brady and Drew Brees. I kind of felt like I can make a comeback. You know, I, I I had two snaps at quarterback in my life, and I can check down to running backs all day as well. So I'm just saying, maybe it's my time. And I mean, as long as you have Captain Slant, uh, Michael Thomas, I think you're good because that man doesn't know how to run anything that's not a slant. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he was held scoreless yesterday, which is pretty interesting. But we're not here to talk about the playoffs or anything. We're here to talk some 49ers football. And a lot's happened since the last time we were with you. Uh, Robert Sala is a Jet. J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, and we got th- two three round, third-round picks out of it. I mean, what do you guys think about this hire for the Jets? I mean, what is? I think Robert Sala probably was the right hire for the Jets. Yeah, I like it. Uh, I think it's a good fit, especially whenever you look at, you know, if you compare Adam Gase in any way, shape, or form to Robert Sala, it is the direct antithesis, and that's what they needed. And probably one of the most important things about this hire is news is already coming out, you know, for the Jets that they are going to stick with Sam Darnold. Now, obviously, that's what they have to say at this point, but that has huge draft ramifications for everybody else. Because now that number two pick is going to be for sale if, in fact, they are going to stay with Sam Darnold. So it does seem like the ripples have already been made. And, you know, you've got this huge spot, number two in the NFL draft, that's available for whichever quarterback that you think is going to go in that spot. I mean, as you know, the staple here on the Niners Nation podcast is that I want to trade for Zach Wilson. And I want that number two pick more than anything. So anytime I hear that any team is sticking with their quarterback and not drafting one, it makes me happy. And I think that maybe Salah coming in and, and you know, uh, Darnold not being on an expensive contract and allowing to really evaluate him. Because I think that Jets job, I think anyone who's taking it knows it's not necessarily something that's going to be built in a day. It's kind of similar to what the 49ers job was when Kyle Shanahan took over. You know, a roster that's technically a mess. Nothing really there. They, I think they have the quarterback position a little bit more solidified than we did. And, you know, their D-line is, you know, they have Quentin Williams. It's not like it's terrible, but they have picks. They have a quarterback they can run out there. And I think that it allows Salah to really build something around there. And then he also took um, LaFleur with him to be his offensive coordinator. And, I mean, if there's anything we can say about LaFleur and, and you know, that family is they run a good offense. And I think that uh, – you know, Salah is setting himself up to be really successful. Yeah, just real quick. What I think about that is I look what Ron Rivera did with this Washington football team. They were their stock is at what the Jets was this offseason. And Ron Rivera came in there. Yeah, that conference is pretty ugly. But hey, they got into the playoffs. And I think 
Robert Sala. It may not happen year one just because the Bills are good. Dolphins are, have a talented roster, but Robert Sala could c- overcome some of the negative things going on over there and turn them into a playoff contender as early as year two. And I love the fact that, you know, he fought for that fifth year in the contract. You know, we were kind of curious why he didn't get hired last year with the Browns, whatever. But it seems like wherever he went to interview, he was pretty staunch on. He wanted a six-year deal, very similar to what Kyle Shanahan got when he came on with the 49ers. This isn't an overnight turnaround, as you said, Nate. He needs time. And so, you know, they wanted to offer a four-year. He said six. They negotiated met in the middle at five. So he's got some time. And I think that's what he's going to need. They have a lot of draft capital. They have some key pieces in place. Uh, you know, a dominant left tackle in the draft last year with Mekhi Becton. Um, so I'm excited to see what they're going to do. Obviously, Quinnen Williams, a lot of 49ers fans wanted him um, until, obviously, Bosa was the correct pick. But people <laughs> were still really, really high on Quinnen Williams. So he's got some pieces in the trenches. And I'm curious to see what that's going to look like. Yeah, and I think I think every Niner fan will have like this soft spot for Robert Sala and like what he did on that sideline and how he, he built up this defense. And you know, th- whether or not they won the Super Bowl, I think that every Niner fan has this soft spot for anyone who was involved in the 2019 49ers. Like that's why a lot of people rooted for Emmanuel Sanders, even though he was on the stupid New Orleans Saints. Um, and that's the thing is like I think we're always going to root for Sala with the Jets as long as they're not playing the 49ers. And I really hope that he finds a way to. You know, him and LaFleur find a way to really get Sam Darnold going, and I'd love to see Sam Darnold be successful in this league, um, not just because I want Zach Wilson. That's not the reason at all. But because of, because of Salah leaving, uh, we have a new defensive coordinator and a new offensive coordinator. So D'Amico Ryans is going to take over Robert Salah's job. And, I mean, everyone said this was the right choice. I mean, real quick, Leo, like, do you think this was the right choice with D'Amico Ryans? So I had conversations with somebody, a part of this 2020 49ers team, and that was the absolute correct choice. There was They thought there was no other way the 49ers could have gone. D'Amico Ryans is someone that has made the Pro Bowl, made the All-Pro in the NFL before as middle linebacker, and who's the centerpiece of the 49ers defense? It is the middle linebacker spot with Fred Warner. And so you got to build around that. D'Amico Ryans, yes, he's never been a defensive coordinator at any level of football. But when you're a Mike linebacker in the NFL and you've been a part of this staff with Robert Sala and you're able to see where Robert Sala was with his growing pains and how Sala overcame those, I think that helps out, uh, helps him out in the process of being a dc early on into his career man i i love the hire and this is, seems to kind of be the kyle shanahan mo young and super high ceiling type coaches uh he swings for the fences you know the, the history and experience aren't on his side however uh, houston tried to snag him away D'Amico ryan's from the 49ers two years ago uh, john mcclain of the houston chronicle just came out today and kind of detailed that and kyle shanahan which he's notorious for says hell no <laughs> nobody steals my coaches unless it's a huge promotion i won't allow it and you kind of see why He's one of these guys with an infectious personality, and a lot of people get up on Robert Sala with his you know, energy and all that kind of stuff on the sidelines, and rightfully so. You go back and you watch those gifts or those videos, you're going to see D'Amico Ryans right behind him going bananas as well. So he's a player-friendly coach. You know, he's been through it. Two-time, you know, uh, pro bowler. He was all-pro defensive rookie of the year in the NFL. I mean, he's got all the accolades as a player. 
And now that can translate. And whenever you look at the 49ers defense now, kind of the heart and soul of that defense, whether injured or not, has been that linebacking core with Fred Warner, now Dre Greenlaw. Even Aziz stepped up huge after that Quan Alexander trade. So you have this core of players, and you now have that kind of solidarity. Because, again, Robert Sala, before he even got the Jets job, said D'Amico's the guy. And it didn't take long. They didn't interview anybody. They just promoted from within. Keep the continuity between this locker room. I love it. I'm excited to see what he can do. Yeah, I feel like that's one thing that we've seen with Shanahan taking over is these guys he hires, he already has it set up where they're ready to take over when he loses another guy. Like, I have never felt like anything Shanahan does is, like, really questionable when it comes to these coaches. They've been solid. And I think that there was that one year where Salah, you know, came in and was a little rough, but that team wasn't very good. Like, I, I think Niner fans forget how bad those teams were that Salah took over. And then when he finally got great defensive talent, they went to the Super Bowl. And so I, I think that D'Amico Ryans will pick up right where Robert Salah left off. And then I also think, I think Mike McDaniel is going to pick up right where LaFleur left off. They are set up to be successful yet again with their coaching staff. I think, like, you know, John, what do you think of, of this Mike McDaniel thing? He's, he's a young guy. I think there's a lot of talent there. And I think that... that from what you've seen from the minute he got hired and the way that social media kind of lit up and the way that Kyle Yushek was like, this is the guy, you know, like people love this guy. There was a chance we were going to lose both uh, Mike McDaniel and Mike LaFleur. Uh, we got kind of lucky with the Packers still being in it because obviously LaFleur, the head coach of, you know, <laughs> Packers has wanted his brother to join him for two straight years. But again, back to Kyle Shanahan <laughs> doing the Dikembe Mutombo to the interviews. He will not allow lateral moves. Well, the NFL restructured everything this year and to be a, you know, we had a run game coordinator, pass game coordinator. Neither one of those fell under the flow chart of a true offensive coordinator. So Kyle Shanahan couldn't block anybody this year. Now, whenever LaFleur joined the Jets, you know, Robert Sala, the Jets, he had to promote Mike McDaniel ASAP, and he did that. Rightfully so. McDaniel is credited as one of the guys that is kind of the creating architect for a lot of those um, kind of home run running plays that Kyle Shanahan loves. That's what he does. You know, out of Yale. Um, he's been with Kyle Shanahan everywhere he has been. You know, Houston, Washington, Cleveland, Falcons, 49ers. He is just following him everywhere. And so the fact that he finally gets that offensive, that true offensive coordinator tag now is still obviously Kyle Shanahan's going to be calling the plays. But he gets a huge pay raise. This is great on his resume. How long we're going to be able to keep him before he becomes a head coach? Who knows? But yes, the players are super excited. The two players that probably were the most pumped about this hire were Kyle Juszczyk, as you said, and Trent Williams, both of which are free agents. This hire helps bring that continuity, and trust me, those two players want to come back. The 49ers want them to come back, and this hire should help solidify those. Absolutely. I mean, we've said so many times on this show as the offseason's gone on that, that Trent Williams is such an important piece, and the most important thing they need to get done is getting him back. And I hope that you know this hire allows them, you know, for that to those talks to continue and to get where they need to be. You know, whether or not they cut, you know, Weston Richburg, Jimmy, and and, and D Ford, as we've talked a million times to save that money to pay for these guys. But I'd love to see Kyle Juszczyk back because if I see him in a Seahawks jersey, I'm going to puke uh, because that's that's a rumor I've heard on, on Twitter a bunch of times that he should be in Seattle and God, he would be great in Seattle, but I do not want to see that at all. And so I'm hoping that, you know, this hire brings him back to us as well because, you know, like I said, we love those 2019 49 
Right. Just real quick, John hit that explanation on the nail um, with Mike McDaniel. And I just want to reiterate, I know when it came out saying offensive coordinator, a lot of people were saying, what's going to happen with Kyle? Oh, my God, Kyle's not calling plays. Why is Kyle doing that? No, Kyle is still calling the plays. Um, but with Mike McDaniel, he's going to do a little more with orchestrating those plays, designing those plays more so in the passing game than he has before. So that's where his duty lies with the offensive coordinator role is he's going to be the play designer and Kyle's basically going to choose when to call those plays or he could also lean on to McDaniel a little more so than in the past to say, hey, you orchestrated these plays. What are you feeling right here? Because we all get in those scenarios to where we're confident in ourselves in any aspects in life. But sometimes you like to ask for a little bit of advice because you're leaning two different ways. So that's where Mike McDaniel helps out in that. Absolutely. Anything else you have to say, John, on that? No, I, I'm pretty pumped about the continuity. I, I, and, mm-hmm. you know, you look across the NFL and so many different teams, even within our division. You know, the Rams have lost, you know, some players at the front office. They've lost defensive coordinator, might lose an offensive coordinator. They're experiencing big changes. It, teams are bringing in, you know, new coaches that don't have uh, the same systems and all whatever else. The 49ers seem to say, no, we love the path we're on. We love the locker room, everything. We like it. So let's just keep this going. If we lose some guys, that's great. But don't <laughs> shake the boat too much. The culture has been established. The play styles, the defense, the offense, everything is just it's, – it's a continuous flow. Yeah, uh, you lose some guys, but you just plug and replace with the guys who have been there and know how it goes, and you just keep going in the right direction. So I, I love this. It, you can look at this from just a regular job standpoint. You don't like it when you get a new boss from another you know, branch that you don't know. You love it when people get promoted from within. And it, it just corrals this, this idea of team and unity that we've seen since John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan showed up. So uh, I'm a big fan. I'm, I'm excited for these hires. I think, yeah, exactly. And I think if there's you know any embodiment of that is, is just what that's similar to what San Francisco does, not to change the subject, of course, is I think that the Green Bay Packers have been the same exact way. And look, they're back in the NFC Championship when they're healthy. And I think it's the same way with the San Francisco 49ers. If they're healthy, they're back there this year. Absolutely. Whether or not we like Jimmy, which which we know if you listen to our show on this, our standpoint on Jimmy is we don't want Jimmy back. But if Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback and that whole team is healthy, they're probably playing Green Bay or Tampa Bay. But real quick, I just wanted to talk about Green Bay because of the fact they're back there in the NFC Championship. We know this team just as well as we know most of our division opponents. You know, they did it again. They run a similar system to Kyle Shanahan's. They run the ball just like Kyle Shanahan does. But they have this elite quarterback who, when things are down on defense, they have found ways to overcome them. And so the thing we preach on this show, me and Leo like to preach a lot, is that you know they can have the most elite defense in the world, but sometimes things are going to go wrong. Things aren't going to be perfect like they were in 2019. You know, people forget 2019 was mostly perfect. You know, there was rarely a time where things didn't go exactly the way we wanted them. You know, and I think that Falcons game was one of them. And if they win that Falcons game, they're 14 and two. So, I mean, they still went 13 and three. So things were pretty perfect. And the thing with, with Green Bay is things don't always go perfect with them. They haven't gone perfect all year this year. Yes, they've been the best team in the NFC. 
but Rodgers has found ways to overcome it. And so when we talk about this Packers team, I think that maybe you guys think I'm wrong. Maybe I'm crazy. I think I'm on my soapbox right now, but I think (laughs) Rodgers has been the reason that this team has been successful yet again. You're not wrong, man. Uh, You're not wrong even in the least. He's got to be the MVP. Um, He's having his greatest year ever, despite the Green Bay Packers not drafting to help him at all. All of the draft picks are on the sidelines for most of the the game, every single game. But – what they have done, and it's it's the the Nick Mullins rule. <laughs> they don't turn the ball over at all. You've got to go back over seven games before the Packers have had multiple turnovers in one game on the offensive side. They lead the NFL in fewest turnovers, only eleven on the entire year. They don't beat themselves, so you have to beat them. And then whenever you look at the other side with Tampa Bay, I know I'm jumping ahead here a little bit. Yeah, they're yeah. the opposite. <laughs> They force turnovers. That's how they win. Um, they force turnovers, and they don't turn the ball over either. You know, Tom Brady he protects the ball very well, but there's a big difference between this Tampa Bay offense and this Green Bay offense. Green Bay can do whatever they want at will against almost anybody. I don't feel that way about Tampa Bay, though. Um, I don't know, Leo. What, what what are your thoughts here? Because I obviously the quarterback, it's got to go to Rodgers. Tom Brady's great. We get that. But the way that he is playing right now is it's stupid. I, I gotta put the edge towards Green Bay as well because this they're running a fantastic offense. They could beat you by running the football. They could beat you by throwing the football. And th- what makes that offensive scheme, that offensive style, so great is that when you play against a Jimmy Garoppolo, you hear from other teams stack the box, stack the box, stack the box. How did Green Bay just win this past game? It was by a a pass that was, what, 20 yards down the field. Uh, And if you could get that from a Jimmy Garoppolo or somebody else from the 49ers offense, Shanahan's offense would be putting up Aaron Rodgers-like numbers, and we were talking about that quarterback as an MVP, maybe top five MVP candidate year in, year out. So that's the differences between the 49ers offense and Green Bay. It's just Green Bay, they could attack the ball downfield. You can't do that in San Francisco. As fans, we kind of scratch our heads and be like, whoa, what did Aaron Rodgers do there? What was that? I, I haven't seen that since Jeff Garcia. And um, and then with Tampa Tampa Bay, you're right. They, they turn over the ball a ton, and they also get the ball a ton. You've seen that. Drew Brees, he's been one of the most protective quarterbacks of the football in a long time. And they just made him look terrible because they force things. And they do a great job in disguising what they show you as well. Um, They make very every single pass very narrow. Uh, But when you're playing against a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, he makes those narrow windows a little wider than they should be. So that's why I'm going to say... Green Bay in this circumstance because Tom Brady hasn't been the most protective of the ball. They do have Mackenzie Alexander as a corner. Um, but if I'm looking at these two teams from what we've seen from the 49ers in 2019, I would probably still lean the 49ers. Uh, that's maybe a little bit of the homer in me, but also just you have Nick Bosa on that side of the ball and neither of these quarterbacks seem to be able to figure him out. Uh, well, exactly. Tom Brady hasn't played against Nick Bosa, but uh, he's not the most agile quarterback 
there is in the NFL. Aaron Rodgers is a lot more agile than Tom Brady, and he still couldn't figure out that 49ers pass rush. The main point I wanted to make there is, you know, everything about this offseason was run it back, run it back, run it back, right? San Francisco ran it back, and the quarterback let them down, and they also got more injured than, you know, to be fair, I'm not going to put it all on Jimmy. There were injuries that they couldn't control. But the thing is, when you think about what makes the Green Bay Packers successful, it's not just the quarterback, but it's, you know, it's Devontae Adams. But I think San Francisco now has, maybe not as good as Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is the best wide receiver in the league. But with Ayuk and Debo Samuel now, and still George Kittle, who is, you know, maybe not the best tight end in the NFL anymore. Maybe it is Travis Kelsey for now, which is going to, that's not going to be popular for me to say. Um, <laughs> that's the thing is the Niners have these weapons. If they have a quarterback who can get the ball downfield like Aaron Rodgers, they're right back in the Super Bowl again. And that's the thing is, I think that's why so many of us are all constantly talking about not running it back with Jimmy Garoppolo next year and trying something different. Because I think if with, with even a Trey Lance or a Zach Wilson or Justin Fields or Deshaun Watson or Matthew Stafford, there's so many quarterbacks we've talked about during this offseason that is three weeks old. Um, any of these quarterbacks would be able, you would be able to run it back with the team you have now and be successful and potentially beat either one of these teams because it looks like the NFC isn't going to change much between now and next year. You know, Green Bay is still probably the best team in the NFC that's not named San Francisco. And Tom Brady's going to be good because he's Tom Brady. Tom Brady's going to be there. It doesn't matter. The Saints are going to drop off of a, of a cliff after yep. this season. They're going to go away because either famous Jameis is going to be their quarterback or Taysom Hill. And that's not bad, but I mean, that's not a team that scares San Francisco. It shouldn't scare Green Bay. And so, you know, you still have Seattle and Russell Wilson, and Arizona has, you know, a great quarterback but no head coach, and the Rams have Jared Goff. So... Who really scares you out of the teams left in the NFC? I mean, maybe Dallas will figure it out. I don't know. But when we're looking at the NFC and the trip back to becoming the team that plays in the Super Bowl next season, the biggest thing I think for San Francisco, and this this is me saying something I've said a million times on this podcast, is fixing the quarterback position. And if they do that, none of these teams scare no, I'm I'm with you there. You know, just pick up on your Saints comment. Uh, Drew Brees, obviously, he's he's riding off into the sunset. Currently, the Saints are a hundred million dollars over the salary cap next year. <laughs> One hundred million dollars over the projected salary cap. Like that team, it, it's gonna it's gonna change quick. And I'm very thankful because a big reason why they're so far over the salary cap is because of Quan Alexander. I have no clue why they took that trade to get him off our hands, but I am so thankful. And no, no disrespect to Quan, the 49ers just were kind of in cap hell, and we we got thrown a life preserver by these Saints. And and the 49ers, as you said, their roster is solid. Um, they've got so many key pieces in place. Yes, this is a huge free agency class. You're going to be able to bring back a lot of those guys. And, um, you know, Prague Morante is going to have to be who he's been and create a lot of extra space, whatever he's doing these new deals. But, man, we've seen Kyle Shanahan with quarterbacks that can throw the ball downfield. We've seen it. Uh, even and, and I hate this quarterback, but <laughs> Kirk Cousins, he was able to do it with him. I don't want him back. Uh, we saw it with Matt Ryan. I don't want Matt Ryan. Um, but we have seen this offense be so successful with down the field throws. But for some reason, whether that's CJ, Nick Mullins, or Jimmy G, and I don't think they're even in the same category, but we have to for the past you know two to three years, they don't throw the ball downfield. 
that's got to change. Um, it just has to. I think Brandon Ayuk will be a big part of that because he is a true uh, kind of wide receiver down the field. Debo obviously can do a lot of things, but he's much more of a slant and gadget guy and whatever else. But uh, Brandon Ayuk and Jimmy Garoppolo, we haven't seen very much. That might help. But again, yeah, if you can get one of those other guys, you know, you talk Matt Stafford, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance. Ugh. Man, who, who's going to stop this team if the quarterback isn't a hindrance? Um, and I don't know who could because the running game is going to continue to be great. The defense is still pretty solid. We'll have to see what happens with turnover in the secondary. But that quarterback position, if that is <laughs> gets fixed at all, watch out. Yeah, so last time Shanahan had a competent starter for 16 games was Jimmy Garoppolo. What happened? NFC champions, they went on to the Super Bowl. Last time he had a quarterback that can stretch the field, well, Matt Ryan, NFC champions, they went on to the Super Bowl. We see what the common denominator is here. You know, we talk about it so much, and I think the reason we talk about it so much is because it's so obvious at this point that this team is bar none the best team in the NFC, and it's not just a, it wasn't just a one-year anomaly. I think if they're healthy this year, they're the best team in the NFC again because we saw what we did to Green Bay last year. Do we think we'd do that again? No, I think it's a lot closer because I think Rodgers is playing a much better degree of football this season than he did last year. But do I think that they have any chance of losing to that Green Bay team? No, not at all. Not at all. With a quarterback that can stretch the field, not at all. Even with Jimmy Garoppolo, I think they might still win. But the thing is, is once you get to the Super Bowl, there's going to be this barrier from here on out. And much like it was in the early 2000s of Tom Brady and the Patriots, the barrier is now going to be Josh Allen or Patrick Mahomes. And to beat Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have to outduel them. And how do you do that? Well, obviously, defense, sure. But I think quarterback play is such a huge thing. And I think that's one thing about this AFC championship that's now setting itself up is this is going to be a quarterback duel of the two best quarterbacks in the AFC that aren't named Deshaun Watson. And we keep talking about the Packers because they're going to be the one probably on the pedestal that the 49ers had to dethrone for the NFC title. They still can't stop the run. No matter how great Aaron Rodgers is, they cannot still stop the run on defense. Cam Akers had 18 carries for 90 yards and a touchdown this past weekend. And that's a rookie. Uh, You get Raheem Mostert, you get Jeff Wilson to pound that defense first and then let Raheem Mostert go in there for fresh legs. We're talking about maybe another 150-yard game for Raheem Mostert against this Packers defense. So that winning formula is still there, well, should be still there in 2021 as it was in 2019. And as you said, John, Packers took a quarterback in the first round. Who knows if Aaron Rodgers is even there in 2021. So this is kind of our early assessment from what we're seeing in the playoffs. Obviously, John, we didn't bring you on just to talk about this. I think that <laughs> it's such a big thing, and I think quarterback is such a big thing. I, the main reason we brought you on this week, John, is because I love your film break. I absolutely love it. I think it's phenomenal. And first of all, I want to I talk about our three guys, first of all, and then I want to get into some of your draft crushes that you've seen in your film breakdown that you really like. But, I mean, obviously, we've got to start with, you know, I think we need to start with Trey Lance because I think that was a big topic last week. You know, what have you seen from Trey Lance in your film breakdown during this offseason that is real young. But, I mean, we've talked so much about how he might need a year to, you know, kind of salivate and figure it all out. Like, what do you see from Trey Lance? 
So first off, there, there's so many caveats with Trey Lance, and there, there's things that are being applied to him that just don't make sense. All right, so first off, he played one game this year. The Missouri Valley Conference, they postponed their season to the spring. He declared for the draft and started working right away. So uh, number one is the guy is all football. Number two, he ran the most complicated offense out of any draft-eligible quarterback, and it's not even close. Okay. Now you could say, oh, it's North Dakota State. It's the Bison. Okay, cool. That's fine. But this is a guy who called out his protection at the line of scrimmage every damn play that he started over the course of his career. Now, did he start a lot of games? No, he didn't. But he also never lost a game and he threw one interception um, to, I think, 30 touchdowns. The guy is a player and he understands the game. Now, if you're one of the people that are like, oh, well, you know, if we had that mobile quarterback, it would help. He's a mobile quarterback. He protects the ball like crazy. His ceiling as far as athleticism is as high as anybody not named Trevor Lawrence in this draft. Um, I'm a big Trey Lance guy. Before this year, before COVID and all those things, you know, I had Trevor Lawrence one, obviously, and I had Trey Lance two. Yeah, I I think that Zach Wilson, he kind of came out of nowhere. He wasn't even a NFL draft considered QB. If you look at his 2019 film, he was awful. Uh, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions. But I think Zach Wilson's jumped up there in that two spot for me. But Trey Lance, not only is he a perfect fit, does he understand the system uh, that Kyle Shanahan would run? He'd translate much better than a lot of these other quarterbacks. But also, he's a perfect fit with the draft schedule that we have. We're picking 12th. Guess what? That's about where Trey Lance is going to go. I think that 8 to 15 spot is where he is comfortable. So I get the Zach Wilson love. I get that. I don't think Zach Wilson's a possibility because you're going to have to trade multiple first rounders to go up and get him. Whereas I think Trey Lance is a guy where you might be able to offer a third jump up a two or three spots, and still get this guy. Uh, I think it's a perfect fit, the scheme. We talked about throwing the ball downfield. This kid has an absolute cannon. Um, he, I really like Trey Lance. Uh, I'm a big fan of what he does on the field, off the field. I, I just think it's a perfect fit. I, I really, really do. So uh, people call me a Trey Lance homer. That's okay. If you like somebody that protects the ball at all times, generates first downs with his feet and his eyes, and has a cannon for an arm, I don't know what's not to like. Well, and that's the thing is the the reason I I obviously brought you on for a bunch of film breakdown, but the thing I literally before I messaged you to come on this show was I watched your Trey Lance breakdown. I think that not a lot of people are talking about Trey Lance. And don't me wrong, I'm one of the biggest Zach Wilson homers in the world. I think I I think he was born in a made in the lab. They put Steve Young's DNA in a little test tube and then <laughs> created him and said with, one with day Jim you're McMahon. Gonna- don't forget, yeah, Jim McMahon. And one day you're said one day you're going to run Kyle Shanahan's offense, and he's and he's flourished. But anyway, the thing about Trey Lance is, you know, people keep talking about this idea that, you know, say you draft him at twelve or you draft him at six or seven, um, that he would have to sit for a whole year. What do you think of that idea of, you know, having to bring back Jimmy Garoppolo and play him for a little while before Trey Lance is ready? Like, what is your thoughts on that? Okay, so first off, if you are drafting a quarterback, I don't even care if you drafted Trevor Lawrence and you're the 49ers. You're bringing Jimmy Garoppolo back. This is not a team like the Bengals last year with Joe Burrow where you're going to say, all right, we're handing the keys to this kid and we're just going to see where it goes. Because the 49ers championship window is open. It's open. You're front runners. 
So Jimmy G would be the quarterback, and then eventually you would move into Trey Lance. It's the exact same thing that you saw with Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes. It's it's This is the way things go for winning teams. You look when the 49ers traded for Jimmy Garoppolo. He sat for four weeks after that. You sit and you learn. Now, if you're wanting to know about NFL quarterbacks that are ready now, Trey Lance is way ahead of Zach Wilson. One, if you just look at their actual physical body, Zach Wilson needs to add some weight, especially with the way that he plays. I like Zach Wilson a lot. He's at 210. He needs to be around 220, 225 for the hits that he takes whenever he runs. Trey Lance, guess what? He's already at 225. That dude is rock solid. Like He is a guy that is NFL ready. Again, you talk about running a complex scheme. Zach Wilson's never done that. Now I'm not saying the BYU offense is you know oversimplified. It's not. It, you know it's a middle tier complexity offense with it, he doesn't read the full um, the full field either. Trey Lance gets to a second or third read on the regular. Um, Zach Wilson's a little bit more of a you know backyard brawler where he's just going to scramble out even when there's no pressure and he's just going to be a beast and make plays and be so aggressive with the ball. That's who Zach Wilson is. So if you're asking me the question, which one out of these quarterbacks, and you could throw in Justin Fields, whatever, I think the least NFL-ready quarterback is Justin Fields out of the top tier. Second least is Zach Wilson. I think Trey Lance is the most NFL-ready quarterback, even though he didn't play this year, just because of the complexity of scheme and the reads that he had to go through and calling his own protections. You don't see that with any of these other QBs. And I think another misconception is, you know, a lot of people say that he needs to develop as a passer. I think I've been guilty of saying that myself. What do you think of, of, of those kind of thoughts and you know, talking about that he needs to develop as a passer and he's just a run first guy? Like, what do you think of that kind of yeah, super run-heavy offense, um, you know, at North Dakota State. There's no doubt about that. Um, you could talk about his throwing motion. I think that's a concern that people don't talk about as well. Whenever he goes to deliver the ball, it's less of a slingshot and a little bit more of a wind-up. Uh, the ball gets below the elbow a little too often. Whenever he, you know, decides where he's going to go, that's a problem. Footwork's incredible. Um, you his hip torque and all those things are great. They're not Zach Wilson great. He's That's one of the things that makes Zach Wilson so good is because that dude is a freaking center fielder throwing somebody out at the plate every freaking play. The dude just unleashes it. But Justin Fields, uh, you know, Justin Fields, he, he's the opposite. He's got a little bit of a slingshot arm, kind of like Lamar Jackson, where he doesn't go through the proper, you know, quarterback motion that you teach, but it works. Um, so yeah, does Trey Lance have room to develop? There's no doubt in your mind. Um, he's got some of those things. Does he rifle it too hard sometimes, uh, whenever he should put some touch on it? Yes. That is a problem that I would say I found in his film. Now he's as bad as Colin Kaepernick in that field. Hell no. I don't think anybody is. You don't have to freaking <laughs> Ricky Vaughn it straight on a five yard crossing route every day of play. But, um, anyway, yeah, Trey Lance, all these quarterbacks have places to grow, but I think he's just – he's been a victim of recency bias. Nobody's seen this kid. So everybody's like, oh, he's going to have to sit. I don't understand that. He's spent an entire year in the weight room and getting ready for the NFL. I, I really don't – I think he's already had his year to sit. It's almost like he was drafted last year, and now he's just sitting. Um, so I'm excited. Now they just announced that the combine's not going to be the traditional combine because of COVID, which really pisses me off because I was really hoping to see some of these guys next to each other. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm telling you, 
Trey Lance, and if the NFL has taught us anything about the quarterback position, go get guys with ceiling potential. Don't go safe. You go after Patrick Mahomes. You go after Josh Allen, who can't had the worst accuracy ever. Patrick Mahomes, the worst footwork <laughs> ever in the history of college football and crazy turnovers. But these are guys who you look at and you say, man, if he fixes this, watch out. And I think Trey Lance is one of those guys. I think Zach Wilson is one of those guys as well. The only difference is Zach Wilson is going to be drafting the top three picks. Trey Lance, I think, again, that 8 to 15 range. And then real quick, you know, just because we got to talk about three, like Justin Fields, what kind of stuff have you seen with his film breakdown? Like what kind of, you know, obviously we got to watch him a lot more than we did Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. We watch him. In yeah. Atlanta, you know, I hate Ohio State's offense. And what I mean by that is it's a great offense. It's just impossible to look at Justin Fields and grade like tight <laughs> throwing through tight windows or playing against complex coverage. Every single person he throws to is wide open, and the numbers are pointing straight at Justin Fields. It's like he's just playing catch out there. His athleticism's incredible. The one thing I will say about Justin Fields that continues to show up in every single game tape, he knows ball location, and he can put the ball wherever he wants at any time. Corner routes, he's going to put that ball on the pylon. There's several different passes, as I've watched them, where he actually hits the pylon whenever the wide receiver can't get to it. He like If you put him in a target practice, whatever, he, he would dominate it. Like He has control over the ball. The problem is... He doesn't get through reads very often. His footwork's pretty sloppy because his athleticism, he doesn't have to do it. And, man, he will lock onto a target, 49ers know what this is like, and just sit there. <laughs> I think he had 31 sacks this year. Like, if his guy's not open, he just doesn't know what to do. Um, and so that there's some problems there. Now, his ceiling, yeah, a lot of people are going to have him at quarterback, too. I get that. I hate the fact that he came out of Ohio State just because it's so difficult to to grade an NFL type throw with this kid just because you can't find it on film. Um, so there's a huge kind of grade of variance because you don't see NFL type scenarios. Uh, he could be the best. There's no doubt about it. But for me, I have him just below Trey Lance. Wow, that's the first time I've heard that. So that's that's uh, pretty impressive. And I mean, yeah, Ohio State fans love to be in my mentions. Uh, we're best of friends. <laughs> oh, I bet <laughs> they're so bad. Um, and then, you know, like the other question, you know, is like if the Niners, you know, don't take a quarterback um, and they don't fix the quarterback position, you know, like what kind of other players, you know, some of your favorite guys that you've scouted, you know, I mean, we're three weeks into the offseason, but I'm sure you've scouted all college football. Like some of the guys you've scouted, you know, like, yeah, I don't know if you looked at Patrick Sertain. He's talked about a lot for the 49ers or just any of your favorite guys from this upcoming draft. Yeah, I just did a full hour breakdown on Patrick Sertan the second. Um, so kind of what I do, um, I don't, I'm going to shamelessly plug myself here. I hope that's okay. Totally. Do it. No, go <laughs> so, uh, you know, I have a podcast, obviously, 49ers Rush, but I had a bunch of people ask me to go through film with them a few years ago. And I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. And a handful of people were like, dude, we'll pay you to do this. And I was like, all right, that's cool. We'll do that too. So we started a Patreon page, 49ers Rush Podcast, where we go through – all 22 film of all these guys. You know, I have the scout uh, tape and the all 22. And we just go through every single play. And so I like Patrick Sertan. He's so calm and collected. And he would be a perfect fit for the 49ers. The problem that you have with Patrick Sertan, and I don't even know if you want to call it a problem, he's just so damn boring. 
Like, like there's offensive tackle film and cornerback film. When they get boring, it lets you know how good they are. If you're looking for like the highlights and all that kind of stuff, teams just don't throw it to them at all. The guy had one interception this year and was named SEC Defensive Player of the Year. That's the respect that teams have for him because he just doesn't get tested. Now, the one place that he is susceptible, which is a corner, is a problem, top-end speed. I'm not sure he has it. I think he's going to be a little bit more of a 4-5 guy than a 4-4 guy, which usually I don't care that much about 40-yard dash. But uh, for the cornerback position, it's more important than any other position. Top-end speed is very important, especially whenever you're talking about the long ball. He is susceptible in that situation, which tells me, man, Cover three might not be the best place for him. Uh, you know, you put him in a cover two scheme. Uh, he's great with man, very physical at the point of contact. You know, if we're staying with the cornerback class, Caleb Fairley, who I think has the highest ceiling of any corner in this draft, 6'2", 200 pounds, was a quarterback, and then <laughs> went to Virginia Tech as a wide receiver. He's only been playing quarterback for two years. This is a guy that if you're talking about, you know, who out of the corners in this draft could be the best cornerback in the NFL? Caleb Fairley has no ceiling. The dude could be the best. But, again, with that, you're getting somebody that's raw. Patrick Sertan started for Nick Saban as a true freshman. This guy's been doing it. Three-year starter in the SEC. Played against the best. Shut down the best. You know what you're getting. But Caleb Farley, that guy could be an all-pro player in and out. And then, of course, you got J.C. Horn, uh, Joe Horn's kid. Um, you know, he was with the Saints for a long time. The 49ers in South Carolina. Now, this is going <laughs> to end now because, you know, Coach Muschamp's gone, unfortunately. But you're talking about Debo. You're talking about uh, Kinlaw. And now J.C. Horn, 6'1", 205, the most physical corner out of the top end of this draft. He wants to punch people in the face as a corner. That Debo, again, this is a guy that practiced against Debo whenever he came into South Carolina. And he's mean as hell. So I like him a lot too. Um, so those, those are the corners. And real quick before I, I bore everybody with my draft talk, interior <laughs> offensive lineman, oh my gosh, Creed Humphrey. Uh, I think a second-round pick. I would freaking love this guy out of Oklahoma. Uh, center guard. He, I just... If I could have one person in this draft, like, man, draft this guy, Creed Humphrey out of OU. I think, again, probably early second round is where he's going to go. So I'm not sure where the 49ers are sitting that you'll be able to get him. You know, pick 43 in the second round. I think he's going to kind of go in those late 30s. But, man, I love this kid. Creed Humphrey is so fun to watch. He is a perfect fit for this system. He would start center day one. And, man, we need some help on the interior offensive line. I'm so glad you said uh, round two for Creed Humphrey because I'm one of those believers to where you don't take interior offensive linemen in the first round, especially where the 49ers are picking at 12, unless it's a guy that can move up and down the line. What I mean by that is play tackle, play guard, play center. And then for me, that's that's second round, third round guys. If, if they're just really good at what they do, yeah, I'm more than willing to take them in the second round. Um, but at pick 12, you, you just can't do it. So I, I'm so glad you said second rounder so that um, it lets everybody else think about it and let that marinate. Like, yeah, second rounder. Yeah, stop, I would telling be me on, stop telling us on Twitter they need to go lineman in the first round. I'm so sick of that. I, I'm going to oh. tell you right now, like, the Niners Nation podcast stance is they are not going to go lineman before they fix the quarterback position. I don't know if you disagree with this, John. But I swear, well, if does they that include tackle, defensive linemen? Because you got to no, have an asterisk. You got to have an asterisk there. Can, they can take yeah. an edge, okay, but they cool. better fix the quarterback position before they do that. <laughs> because yeah. I'm so sick of 
I had a guy tell me one time that we should take a guard with the 12th pick overall. No, you don't take a guard <laughs> with the 12th round pick overall. No. They, and that's the thing is, I really appreciate you coming on here just because, you know, we don't talk a lot about the second and third rounds really until we get close to the draft. And I think, you know, cornerback and um and and guard and center, I think those are really important second and third round picks to bolster this team. I mean, we we know what they are, you know, and yeah, the line I don't think the line is necessarily as bad as people think on paper. Yeah, if you had a mobile quarterback, it'd fix a lot of those issues. See, that's why I brought you on. And what we mean by mobile is someone that could just at least move the pocket. Not necessarily Lamar Jackson mobile to go run for a 40-yard touchdown. Just someone that could move the pocket. If he has a little pressure uh, coming from the right, he's okay going up, down, to the to his other side to make a throw if need be. Yeah, like Zach Wilson, again, going back to this, people call him a mobile quarterback or a dual threat. I don't think he's a dual threat QB. He averaged three yards per carry for his career. But that guy extends plays outside of the pocket. So is he a rushing you know, asset? Nah, kind of. But he is a guy, if you put Zach Wilson and Jimmy Garoppolo in the same phone booth, we kind of know the difference that's going to happen there. Now, is Zach Wilson going to be running for 40-yard touchdowns? Hell no. Uh, Trey Lance will. Uh, Zach Wilson will not. Yeah, and it's Baker Mayfield. He's not a mobile quarterback by any means, but can he extend the play with his legs uh, outside of the pocket as well? Absolutely he can. He just has other issues that, you know, we could talk about for an hour. With Jimmy Garoppolo, we've watched, you know, for, for three years now, and he just doesn't do anything elite or above average that I mean above he has done above average things we won't say that he he, there's been a couple times where he has looked above average done above average things but once we get to the point where you know we're talking Trey Lance say Trey Lance comes in like you said you know Jimmy Garoppolo starts the first six game Kyle says okay I'm going to Trey I think what we see from this offense versus what we've seen from this offense the last two years is so drastically different that I think 49er fans are gonna be like okay this was the right yeah, if the worst case, again, you know, when Kyle Shanahan was asked about the quarterback position, he said, Jimmy Garoppolo's our quarterback moving forward, but we might have to address the backup quarterback. Like, CJ and Nick are gone. They're, they're not coming back. Yeah. You have to do something there. And if worst case is you draft a quarterback, I don't care who it is, and Jimmy G plays up to where he can and does 2019 things and stays healthy, nobody's upset by that. I mean, nobody's upset by that. And you had a quarterback waiting in the wings. That's great. You got Jimmy for two years signed on, and his cap number is really not bad. It was a really front-loaded contract, which was perfect. Who would have known COVID is going to take place? Jimmy G's contract's not an issue. And I don't want to renegotiate that deal because I don't want to extend that deal further down the line. I want to keep it at two years. Uh, maybe even one year deal, but you bring somebody in. And again, here's what I don't want. The 49ers championship window is open. I don't want that dependent upon one quarterback. I really, really don't Uh, because people get hurt. And if Jimmy gets hurt again and we have somebody that can step in like Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson, whatever, that is the best thing for this team. You've got to get some solidarity in that position. And I think you do that by bringing in somebody that can push Jimmy Garoppolo, let Jimmy start. And if, you know, he comes out and does three and three things like he did this year or injuries, whatever, you move on and you don't bat an eye. Yeah, for sure. I think that's the biggest, the best stance to have. 
Thanks for coming on, John. We really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to, you know, any other stuff you want to talk about? You get people to check out your content. I definitely want people to check out your film breakdowns. That's the main reason I want to bring you on here because I think that you're. Yeah, head over to YouTube. Just type in John Chapman. Uh, hit subscribe to the channel. Uh, by the way, we're giving away a Nick Bosa jersey uh, here in two episodes. So He's not getting there. traded. Stop talking about it. Traded. He's not getting traded. Um, he's not. But uh, anyway, yeah, come join us. You know, we go live. Uh, you know, during the season, we go live four times a week. But uh, we put a lot of our film breakdowns up on YouTube as well. So uh, head over there. Let me know your uh, friends of the show. Really appreciate you guys having me on. Love what you guys do. Um, freaking, you guys are some of the best in the business. And man, it's pretty cool. Appreciate you reaching out to me, Nate. Um, I really do appreciate it. Yeah, we appreciate it too. And Leo, anything you want to plug before we end the day? Uh, you could just go ahead and head over to 49ersgoldmine.com. Check out our, our all of our recent articles, as well as give me a follow on LeoLuna93 on Twitter. And you can follow me at NinerNate49 on Twitter. The offseason rolls on, and we'll see what happens. Please draft Zach Wilson, John Lynch. I will love you forever. We will see you next week.